Good morning, and welcome to another worship service of the Bronx region of the New York City Church of Christ. We're glad you're able to join us today as we continue on our series of Finishing Strong, which is what we want to do as we end out 2021. Today we're going to talk about a mountaintop experience. And what is that? What does that mean? Well, the story in our text today is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is where we're going to get our theme, our title, Mountaintop Experience from. You know, Mount Everest is the highest mountain on earth. It's a very popular destination for people that want to climb mountains uh, to take that adventure. Now, I'm not personally scared of heights. But what I am challenged by in this situation is how much it costs to climb Mount Everest. You know, it ranges from 20000 to $44,000 to climb Mount Everest. Now, you're probably like me, sitting there thinking, you got to pay $40,000 to climb a mountain? But people do it. You know, famed climber George Mallory was asked, why would you climb Mount Everest? His response? Because it was there. You know, some people love to climb mountains. But like I said, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells about Jesus in this mountaintop experience, the transfiguration of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Luke tells us why Jesus went up on the mountain. It didn't cost him $44,000. But we're going to find out why Jesus went upon this mountain. Look in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 31. Luke 9, 28 through 31. It says, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So why did Jesus go up on the mount at this time? Because he went there to pray. Now, Peter, James, John, they probably went simply because Jesus went. And wherever Jesus was, they wanted to be themselves. But apparently, Jesus had another reason for taking Peter, James, and John on this mountaintop with him. He had a little bit of a show and tell, I would say, of what he wanted to uh, encourage them with. Again, let's look at Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 1 through 3, and refer back to this mountaintop experience. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So what's going on here? Why did Jesus bring the disciples up on this mountain to have this mountaintop experience? Well, in the Bible, whenever God really wanted to get his people's attention, it seems he would take them to a mountain. Now, remember back again on this mountaintop experience. Here was here was Moses and Elijah. Uh, so let's talk about them for a moment as we get into this. Let's think back in Exodus. We read where after God brought the Israelites uh, out of Egypt, out of slavery, 
he had Moses take them to Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 19, verse 17. It says, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Now, do you think this got the people's attention? Absolutely. In fact, it was God's plan to get the people's attention to make sure they never forgot what was going to happen that day. And that was the day that he gave them the Ten Commandments, which changed history forever. And then we have Elijah, the other man that met with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. Now, in Elijah days, God once again wanted to get his people's attention. And so he brought them to a mountain, Mount Carmel. And it was there on this mountain that Elijah took on the pagan prophets of Asherah, of Baal. And look what happens in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. It says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now Elijah had the people build an altar. They were going to have a sacrifice. And you build this altar and you call upon your God. You call upon Baal. You call upon Asherah. And the people started chanting and saying things and cutting themselves. They called upon their God over and over. And, and even so, Elijah kind of threw in something. Is he asleep? He doesn't hear you. What's going on? You get no response. Because they weren't serving the one true God. So nothing happened. So then Elijah said, you know what? Rebuild the altar. They built the altar. He said, now throw water. They drenched the altar so much that they made a trench around the altar. And even that was full of water. So now you have all this wood that is so wet, soaking wet, so much that water is all around it. And now Elijah prays to the one true God. First Kings 18, verse 38. Look what happens. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Do you think this got the people's attention? Absolutely. Yes, it did. Because God said, you're going to have to choose me or get off the mountain. That's what he told them. You're going to choose. You can't waver between the two. Make your choice. Either you're going to serve God or you need to get off the mountain. Now, in Matthew, Jesus takes his closest disciples with him up to a mountain. Matthew 17, verse 2 and 3. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Just then, 
there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, do you think this got his disciples' attention? They're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Jesus, his face was like the sun. His clothes were so white, like lightning. And then Moses and Elijah are standing there talking. I'm sure Peter, James, and John, they didn't know what to do. But see, in fact, it was God's plan to get Peter, James, and John's attention so that they would never forget what was going to happen that day. In fact, it had such a powerful effect in their lives. Not only did they not forget that day, that moment, but later on, let's look at the, the writings of them. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Look at what Peter says here as he wrote about what happened back on the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, 2 Peter 1, 17. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. This impacted Peter's life so much that even after Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected, came back and appeared on and on. It's still he still had that in his mind. He never forgot what he saw that day on the Mount of Transfiguration. So here's Jesus. On the Mount of Transfiguration, meeting with Moses and Elijah. You say, now why did he meet with those two? Why not David? Why not Saul? Why not Noah? Well, Moses represented the law. That's why it's called the law of Moses. Moses represented the law. And in the minds of the Jews, Elijah represented the prophets. So in fact, even in uh, this day, Elijah is still an important part and is mentioned in every weekly Sabbath that the Jews have. In essence, uh, Moses and Elijah summed up the whole Old Testament. The law of Moses, Elijah, the powerful prophet. So here you have Moses and Elijah on the mountain talking with Jesus. Matthew chapter 17. Let's go back. Verse 5 through 8. Let's keep reading what happened there. Matthew 17, verse 5 through 8. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Moses and Elijah were there because God planned for them to be there. God wanted them to be there. God had them there to make a statement. And so what was the statement that God was making? He says, Moses and Elijah are important. Very important. That's why they're here on this mountain. They're important. But when uh, everything was said and done, they disappeared into the mist. Now, why did they disappear into the mist? Because even though they were important, they were faithful servants of God. But Jesus was the son of God. 
That's why the voice declared, this is my son. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So it's not that Moses and Elijah weren't important. Yes, they were important. They were there. But when all is said and done, Jesus is more important above Moses and Elijah. Jesus is above the law. Jesus is above the prophets. Jesus is more important. Listen to him. This is my son. I love him. God wanted Peter, James, and John to never forget who Jesus was. Never forget how important Jesus is. And this is why they were so faithful. Because they knew who Jesus was. They knew what they believed. They didn't just go off of what everybody else said. They knew it. They experienced it. And they had conviction about what they believed. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. This is what it tells us. Jesus being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus was God. He had the power. He had the authority. He had the credentials, but he put all that aside to come down from heaven and to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins. So when Moses was on Mount Sinai and Elijah on Mount Carmel, God was saying, you need to listen to me, guys. You need to listen to me. If you don't listen to me, then get off the mountain. That's what he was saying. Elijah, listen, this one true God, listen to me. Or get off the mountain. That's what God was saying in the Old Testament. But now, here we are, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And God is saying pretty much the same thing. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Don't try to make him just another teacher. Don't try to make him just another prophet. Don't try to make him just another moral leader. No. This is my son. Listen to him. He's far more than just a man. He's far above Moses. He's far above Elijah. Listen to him. This is my son. And you can either listen to him or you can get off this mountain. Whoa, that is no joke. Peter later said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, look at that. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter lays it out. Buddha can't save you. T.D. Jakes can't save you. The Pope can't save you. Muhammad, Joel Osteen, not even Moses and Elijah. None of them can save you because none of them can do what Jesus did. None of them can do what Jesus can do. You need to see Jesus is the only way for any of us to make it to heaven. No one else can remove your guilt. No one else can remove your shame. 
No one else can promise you salvation, eternal life, only Jesus Christ. See, for us, it's either Jesus or get off the mountain. And this is what we've got to understand. Even in this time, even in this coronavirus and isolation and not physically being able to meet, it's still your choice. Jesus or get off the mountain. It's one or the other. All this is doing is exposing our personal relationship with Jesus. Do I have one or is it based on church? Is it based on meeting with people? Is it based on what is it based on? What is your relationship with Jesus based on? It should be you and your times with God alone. See, you know what I find interesting here? It's how Peter responded to what happened on the mountain. Look in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. It says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received glory and honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. See, this mountaintop experience shook Peter to the core. It was like a, a, a pivoting point, a mountaintop experience in his faith. He was saying, we didn't follow myths. We didn't follow rumors. He said, I saw it. I touched it. I experienced it. I know for a fact, I believe this. See, in fact, I think this mountaintop experience was even what John was talking about John, the one of the other two disciples that were with Jesus in the transfiguration. Look in first John chapter one, first John one, verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this. We proclaim concerning the word of life, the life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This mountaintop experience shaped the lives of these disciples forever. They were never going to be the same again after going to the top of the mountain with Jesus. You know, we all have mountaintop experiences. Not just one. You have multiple experiences. I've had multiple experiences. Some good, some bad. But each experience will change your life forever. And some of these things I experienced, some of these things I saw, some of these things I heard. But see, your mountaintop experience can make you better 
or make you bitter. It can make you angry or make you grateful. See, it all depends on your relationship with Jesus. One of mine was when I studied the Bible and I actually started to understand about Jesus. See, I wasn't very religious growing up. I mean, I didn't go to church a lot. I wasn't all that churchy person. I didn't know what communion was. I thought I was really drinking blood. I'm like, I'm not drinking that. I mean, I was not into church. But when I studied the Bible and I started learning about Jesus, that changed everything. And I remember when we read the medical account. You remember when it says about the Roman soldier that pierced Jesus' side with the spear and out came uh, blood and water? Well, that's a condition known as cardiac tamponade. It's a rare thing, but it's possible for a person to endure so much stress and pressure that their heart can literally burst. Now, around the heart, there's a sac called a pericardium, and this is a liquid that has an appearance of water. And if the heart bursts and blood is mingled with this sac, this pericardium sac, out comes the appearance of blood and water. Now, this makes sense for a lot of reasons, but one, just imagine if I were to cut myself, if I were to cut my chest right here, only things coming out is blood. So that's different. But the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't die from the cross. He literally gave up his body and he died. Look in Matthew 27, verse 50. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Since the scriptures teach us that all the sins of mankind, all the, the guilt, all the sorrow, all the shame, everything came upon one man, Jesus, at one time on one cross. At that moment, everything came upon Jesus. The stress of the human heart. Would have been unimaginable. Of course. It would have broke his heart. Now. Seeing that. That became a mountaintop experience for me. Because when I saw what Jesus went through. I thought. There's no reason. I can't. Push through whatever I need to push through. To follow somebody like that. It's like whatever else comes in my life. I should be able to work through it. And things did continue to come in my life. You know, I had to pray about whether or not to pursue my dreams of playing professional football. Do I do that or do I not do that and go into the ministry? So when I look at that, I'm like, but this is my dream. This is what I want. But then I think about what Jesus went through. My dream or Jesus life. I had to make that choice. You know, I remember running down the lobby of a hotel because I saw this sister that I wanted to ask out on a date. In my mind, I thought, I'm going to marry this woman. I physically ran down a hotel lobby in a seminar. It was over 3,000 disciples there. I didn't care how I looked. I physically ran down the hot lobby of this hotel and I asked her out on a date. And yes, she did become my wife. But. I would not have normally done something that looked that foolish. But I'm thinking, if Jesus was willing to go through all he went through, why am I concerned about how I look to other people? 
they're not going to help me. They're not. I mean, Jesus is the only one I need to be concerned about how I look. You know, another mountaintop experience was when our daughter, Grace, first got her cochlear implants. And I remember she was a young girl. She was sitting at the table. She was playing with these blocks. And they actually turned on her cochlear implants because she was deaf. And they turned them on. And I remember Lauren, my wife Lauren, saying, Grace. And then all of a sudden she looked up. The first time she had ever heard her mother's voice. And when she looked up, the tears just start flowing from all of our eyes. I was crying. Lauren was crying. The doctors were crying. I mean, it was just such a moving time. Changed my life forever. And then later on, as she got older, she refused to put those on in the morning. And I'm like, why don't you want to hear in the morning? And she said, I want to be the way God created me when I wake up. So just give me some time and let me just have my time with God. And I thought, here's this little teenage girl wanting to be that close to God. I'm thinking you should want to hear all the time. And she's like, nope, I want to make this time between me and God first. Mountaintop experiences occur in our lives multiple times. Is yours going to make you better or bitter? Let me explain one thing to you as we close out here. And this is a little deep, so you're going to have to stay with me here and you got to stay focused. Passover was a major sacrifice in Jesus' day. People were lined up for, uh, for miles almost to sacrifice their animals to remove their sins. With all the sacrifices, picture all the blood everywhere running down the altars, all the blood on the floor, the blood on the bowls, the blood on the, on the forks. And, I mean, blood was everywhere. Imagine the stench. Imagine the flies. I mean, and you're talking about in a hot desert. So imagine what that must have looked like. So what did they have to do to clean it up? Well, literally, they developed a technique where they would pump water from underneath the temple up and they would wash the altar down. So the water would wash the blood of the animals, uh, all the stench, everything would go into the uh, through the city walls, through the pipes, into the Kindred Valley. Now, the Kindred Brook ran between Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane. So people even now that visit the Holy Land say that the Kindred still is red from the blood of sacrificed animal over hundreds of hundreds of years. You say, no, I don't know if I believe that. But it's true. Because even uh, we used to leave the church in Oklahoma. I have family in Oklahoma. The dirt in Oklahoma is red, not from sacrificing of animals, but just the minerals, the nutrients. It's a whole different kind of culture. It makes the dirt there red. Well, here in the Kindred Valley, it also is not a red color, but it's, it's a red-ish type. And yet, it's because of the sacrifices and the blood that has occurred over such a long period of time. Even farmers go there and dig up dirt from around that area because it's good fertilizer for their crops. Now, if you have been standing outside, let me get my paper. If you have been standing outside around 3.30 after the morning sacrifices that occurred, about 3.30 in the afternoon, and you're standing down there by the Kendron Brook, and out these pipes you would see blood, 
and water mixed together coming out these pipes. Blood from the sacrifice, water from rinsing it off, being mixed together coming out for the sacrifice. Now, why are we talking about this? Because it is mentioned at how in, in the book of John, blood and water came out of Jesus after the Roman soldier speared him. Now, that was not as important to John. He made it clear that's what happened. But the significance behind why John wrote that is what I want you to clue in on now. He commented on seeing blood and water come out of Jesus' side because it was so important for us to understand that Jesus had already died before any bones were broken. You say, wait, I don't understand. Let's go to John chapter 19. Let me read this for you. John 19 verse 31. Now it was on a day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Why did John talk so much about that? Because John wanted to prove that there was no need to break Jesus' legs. He was already dead. Now, why? Why is this so important? Because Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. John knew that that kind of lamb would be unacceptable to God if it was already broken. If the legs were already broken, that would not be a sacrifice acceptable to God. So John says, I know Jesus was dead. I saw the Roman soldier pierce his side and out came blood and water. He is an acceptable sacrifice. A volunteer sacrifice. He wasn't all broken up. They didn't break his legs. Yes, they beat him. Yes, they punched him. Yes, they did those things. But Jesus was an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. See, all that matters is who do you believe in? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know why you believe in Jesus? Do you know why you believe he died for your sins? Why? If we want to finish the year strong, we don't just need to have a new formula or a new system to follow. We need to know why we're doing what we're doing and have conviction about it. Jesus took his disciples, Peter, James, John, on the mountaintop so they could experience something that would change their lives forever. The question is this. Are you going to have a mountaintop experience? Is it going to change your life forever? Think back to mountaintop experiences you already have. And let that build your faith. Let that strengthen you during these times. Let that prepare you for what's to come. Each of us, we have mountaintop experiences in our lives. I want you to think about yours. I want you to share it with somebody. Talk about it. Call somebody up. Share a mountaintop experience that you have had 
and see what God does with it. He did it for you to teach you something. I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is because God planned every single mountaintop experience and he's not going to waste that experience. I hope this lesson has helped you. I hope it's encouraged you. God wants you to have a mountaintop experience and to live a life to the full. I love you. Thank you so much for joining us today and to God be the glory.